are uh, in a series called Grace, God's Gift to a Judgmental Culture. And um, we're in part five today. This is your first time here. All of our stuff is online. I want to invite you to follow us on Facebook. I want you to invite, to invite you to follow us on YouTube. All of our sermons are there. You can go back and, and, and watch them. But uh, today uh, we are talking about giving grace to others. And the main thing today is what we've been freely given by God, we must give freely to others. Now, what I found is that the world can do everything better than the church, okay? We cannot out-Disney Disney. We cannot out-movie-produce Hollywood. We cannot give away enough stuff to make the gospel message sweet enough to make it palatable. Whatever the church can do, the world can do better except give grace. Grace is the one thing that the world cannot do. Cannot do. Uh, Romans 12, 17-21 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is what the, that is the vision God has for all of us. Unfortunately, it isn't how most of us live, or many of us live. Certainly not how the world around us lives. The typical story in the world looks a lot different, it looks something like this. And it's called the revenge cycle. Now, the story of Samson is, a, is something that is great. You hear about the long hair and the strength and everything like that. But it is actually a very, very dark lesson of, of, of what happens when there is no grace. I want you to turn to Judges 14 and 15. It's in the Old Testament story of Samson. And this is a story, a very tragic story, about somebody who was about a revenge cycle. Now, set the stage, Samson was an Israelite. He was what's known as a Nazarite, set apart by God, long hair and, um, and everything. He had prodigious strength. He was living in a time when the Philistines, which Goliath was one, uh, was oppressing the Israelites. All right, they, were, they, they had conquered them. And so, uh, so Samson uh, is living during that time. Right, so... Judges 15.3, I want you to clue in on this statement. Um, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines, I will really harm them. Okay, I want you to focus on that. We're going to go back to the beginning. This is what the revenge cycle starts. This is kind of the, the story. Okay, so Samson is getting married, and he tells the Philistines a riddle. And he says, if you, uh, if you uh, solve the riddle, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. And if you, if you don't solve it, you owe me 30 sets of clothes. No idea why he wanted 30 sets of clothes, but that was the deal. So he tells a riddle. Philistines can't solve it. So they go and threaten his wife. And they say, tell us the riddle or we'll kill you. So he, she, she tells them the, uh, uh, the answer to the riddle. All right? Nothing major is happening here. Well, they, they, uh, they solve the riddle. So Samson has to go and kill 30 people and take their clothes and give them to the Philistines. And he's really, really, really mad. All right? So to get even with the Philistines for threatening his wife, he, he catches a bunch of foxes, puts torches in their tails, and sends them through the Philistine grain fields and burns up their, their grain fields. 
All right? So what, what, how do we start? We started with a bet, a riddle, and then there was a threat, and then there was the killing of 30 people, and now the burning up of Philistine grain fields. All right? Well, so the Philistines, because of this, they go and kill the wife and her family to get even. And then, then it's, that is when verse 15, 3 says, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So it says that the, Samson takes a sword and he kills many. Now, in the Bible, we don't know how many people he killed, but in the Bible, where thousands and thousands of people are getting killed, when it says many, there are probably a lot of people that got killed. All right? Then the Philistines, because he killed all these people, they go to go capture him. And look what the Philistines, look at Judges 15, 10 through 11 says this. Uh, we have come to take Samson prisoner, they told the Israelites, to do to him as he did to us. And 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Adam and said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. See guys, this is what the revenge cycle looks like. Both sides feeling justified in getting back, getting even. They're the victims. I'm only doing to them what they did to me. Is that true? Is that actually what's happening here? No, actually what I'm seeing is a worldwide escalation. You can never get even. You can't. The story proves it. And the cycle continues to escalate. So they, ca they capture Samson. Samson says, okay, well, I'm not going to harm my own countrymen. Just make sure you, don't, you don't, guys don't get me. And, they, and the Israelites say, no, we're just going to turn you over to them. So they take him to the Philistine army. And Samson, when he sees the, the Philistine army, he breaks free of his bonds. And in a moment where you need to read the King James... It says he picks up the jawbone of a, well, a donkey, okay? Um, I just remember watching Sanford and Son. Who, who likes Sanford and Son? Everybody likes Sanford and Son? Okay, uh, those of you all that, that I, don't, I don't know if the people living today could handle the political incorrectness of the shows we grew up watching, okay? Sanford and Son, well, she had this sister-in-law named Aunt Esther, and Aunt Esther and Fred Sanford didn't like each other very much, and they did this. And I remember uh, he was giving her a hard time, and Aunt Esther looked at him and said, Don't you say another word, Fred Sanford. There are stories in the Bible about me. And Samson, I mean, and Fred said, Oh, yeah, Samson slew a thousand Philistines with your jawbone. So, yeah, I, I remember that, okay? So, so Samson picks up, the, and he kills a thousand of them with the jawbone of a donkey. Well, because they want to get even with him, Samson, uh, Philistines, go to his girlfriend named Delilah, and they trick her, they get her to trick Samson, telling, him, telling them the, uh, the, the secret of his strength. So they, she, she, they, they cut off his hair, put out his eyes, throw him in prison. And there his, in, his pri in prison, his hair grows back, and there's a big Philistine party. They bring him out. Samson pushes the, the, the pillars uh, of the temple, comes down, commits suicide, kills 3,000 people all at once. This is what the revenge cycle looks like. I guess, I, I guess question for America in 2021, can you really ever get even? No, you can't. 
The story of suggestion suggests no. No, the revenge cycle has an enormous cost to it. Uh, look at the cost of the revenge cycle. Someone said this, that sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll make you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it'll make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay. And that is very true. The revenge cycle will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll make you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. It'll make you pay longer than you ever wanted to pay. That is the truth. That's what the revenge cycle will do. All right? It started out, you guys, as a riddle, as a bet, and it ended with the deaths of thousands and thousands of people. See, if, 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 do you think Samson was planning on that? Do you think that if Samson would have known that, hey, if you tell this riddle, if you do this, you're going to wind up in prison committing suicide and killing people? Do you think he would have done it? You think the Philistines, if they had known that, that their, their entire leadership, their entire government would, would have been killed by this thing, do you think they would have done this? No. That they weren't thinking. If they know how it was going to end, they would have dropped it. A quote attributed to Confucius says this, he that, he that would embark on revenge should start by digging two graves. One for himself. You guys, the, the revenge cycle that we see here is totally opposed to God's will for us. Totally opposed to God's will. The Bible says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. The Bible presents a radically different concept that we are to live by. But to move off this revenge cycle by forgiving and giving grace to others is called giving grace because that's something that is earned. Giving grace means that you allow yourself to be the last one sinned against. You're the last one sinned against in this cycle. You just basically say, okay, ball's in my court. I'm gonna be the last one sinned against. I'm gonna be the last one insulted. I'm gonna be the last one that demands you know, justice. I'm gonna be the last one because I'm not going to visit that on the next person. I'm dropping it, letting it go. I'm giving grace. See, guys, what I've found is that I can't really control what goes on out there. We, we can't control that, but what we can have influence on is what happens in here. And if we are a church that shows no grace to each other, to our families, if, if we are families that show no grace, there are two things that happen. A church without grace, first of all, is a church without joy. There's no joy in a graceless family or a graceless Church, there's no joy at all. Think about the people you know that are intent on getting even, people that are intent on making sure the other person pays. Are they joyful? Are they having a great time in life? Do they see joy in things? Or are they bitter, angry, vindictive? You know the answer to that. What if the church was full of people making sure that everybody pays for what they've done. Be a place where you want to be? Is that a place you want to be? How about your family? What if your home, what if your family was a kind of, of home where, man, if you screw up, we're going to make you pay. And we're waiting for you to screw up, so we're going to make you pay. Because fair is fair. Is that a home that you want to be in? Nope. Without joy, it's joyless. It's not the kind of church God wants us to be. It's not the kind of people God wants us to be. The second thing that happens in a church without grace is that there's no church without authenticity. There's no authenticity where there's no grace. 
where people aren't free to be themselves, where people are forced to walk on eggshells, where people are not safe to make mistakes, to, make, to, to, to mess up. There's no authenticity. You know what you get? You don't get higher levels of behavior. You get withdrawn behavior. You get people afraid to be real. There's no grace. There'll be no community because people don't want to be around graceless people. They don't want to be around people that, yet, that, that are, are policing their behavior. They're just going to check out. They're going to be gone. All right? People quickly learn who it's not safe to be, or be human around. I found that people won't walk on eggshells around people. If there isn't any grace, isn't any forgiveness, people have to watch what they say around you, watching every word, watching every action. Eh, they'll just move away from you. They got to play your game. Friendships and community are based on grace, and they don't exist without it. So if we are going to basically make a statement to the world of, of, of the vision that God has for us, and we need to start in here, we start in our families, start in our lives, and we start in this church where people are safe to make mistakes, where, where, where people are safe to be human, where we can give the gift of amazing grace to each other. That's the place I want to be in. And every now and then I'll run to someone who says, I, I, I just can't forgive, can't forgive. Nope, they've done too much. They've hurt me too badly. They've done it one too many times. It's too much to ask, not something willing to do. And we understand that it's difficult. Some of you all, I know some of your stories, most of you, and I know that there's been a lot of hurt towards you, maybe from you. And I'm not minimizing the cost. But I want to ask you to consider something this morning, Catalyst Christian Church. Have you ever thought about the cost of not giving grace to others? You think about the cost of not giving grace? See, Jesus told us this amazing parable in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It's one of my favorite parables. I love it. And I want, to, I want to, you to follow along with me. See, Jesus was in a very judgmental culture, very legalistic culture where there was no grace. Jesus introduced the concept of grace, and he told this. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king that wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, that's millions of dollars, millions of dollars, right, in a culture that made like a dollar a day. Okay, um, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. Sold into slavery. Everything he had. Not only just him, his wife and his children too. That's bad. So, when the servant fell, fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Really? You make a dollar a day, dude. You ain't paying back millions of dollars. There's no way you can pay this back. If the king knew, uh, he, he looks at him, he's, he's like, come on, man, really? There's no way you're gonna pay this back. There's no way you can pay this back. Even if you gave me every penny you earned for the next thousand years, you're not gonna pay this back. We all know it, so quit it. Well, yeah, just quit it. When the servant... Be patient with me. Master's, servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Okay, so millions of dollars that he would never, ever be able to repay, completely wiped out. King says, eh, 
canceled debt, free to go. So the guy is ecstatic, right? I mean, he is on cloud nine. He's just been saved not only from a life of slavery, but his wife and his children being sold into slavery, losing everything he owed, uh, he owned, right? I mean, he is ecstatic, right? Nope. Jesus continues. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred denarii. That's about a hundred bucks. How much did he owe? Millions. How much was he owed? Hundred. Any math majors in here? Which one's greater? Okay, you guys, you guys understand the situation here? All right. So be patient. And, and, and he began, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Is this rational behavior? The guy was just saved a million dollar debt, millions of dollars debt was just forgiven. And now he's choking this guy saying, pay me what you owe me when it's a, I mean, not, not even a fraction of what he, what he owed. Is this rational behavior? No, it's not. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Now this is actually a true statement. This guy could actually pay it back, right? All right. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Brilliant. Thrown into prison until he could pay the debt? What don't you earn when you're in prison? How in the world can the guy pay back a debt when you took him away from his job? Continues. I'm thrown into prison so he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owes. Bummer. You're going to be tortured in jail until you pay back your millions. All over a hundred bucks? That wasn't real smart, was it? And then Jesus says this, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You see a couple of insights into people that refuse to give grace to others. You've got four things. These aren't in your outline. They're not up here, but I want you to listen. First thing is this, is they don't see the connection between what they hope God will do for them and what they're willing to do for others. Understand? People who don't extend grace to people, they don't see the connection between what they hope to get from God and what they should extend to others. They don't see that connection. They think that God should forgive them, but they're just not gonna forgive other people. Okay? They don't see that they, in monetary terms, that what they owe is far greater than what people owe them. The debts that we owe God, the sins we've committed against God are worth millions. And the people that sin against us, maybe a couple hundred in God's eyes. And we obsess over the hundred and we think the million should just be forgiven, right? See, people that don't extend grace to others don't see the connection that God does. God says, listen, I'm doing this for you. Shouldn't you do this for someone else? That's the first thing that we learn about people that don't extend grace to others. And I'm asking you um, as your pastor, as your friend, as, as, as God's representative, I guess, 
if I can carry that term, I'm begging you to see that connection because I don't want what Jesus says here to happen to anyone. Second thing we learn about people that, that refuse to extend grace to others is that they're irrational and, and illogical. What did the guy do? He had the guy thrown in prison, so it's taking away his means of income. See, people that don't give grace, people that live in unforgiveness are irrational and illogical. They do stupid things. They, may, they hold sins over people's heads. There's no way that they could repay. And they allow that sin to fester for years. They allow relationships to be destroyed. They allow businesses to be destroyed. They allow families to never talk again. They, they, it's unbelievable what people will do simply because they can't forgive. They're irrational and they're logical. Remember, sin is never logical. Never logical. The third thing that we find out in this story is that their lack of grace is obvious to everyone. See, when the guy refused to extend grace to his fellow servant, who noticed? Everyone. Everyone noticed. And here's the thing, people. If you are a person that is unforgiving and you're a person that does not extend grace, guess who notices? Everyone and guess what you will not be extended? What, guess what people will not extend to you? Grace. Those that would deny grace to other people will receive none for themselves. John Wesley, the preacher, was, uh, was brought to the, to the colony of Georgia by James Oglethorpe, who was a, uh, Oglethorpe was the first governor of Georgia. He was a war hero. He loved wine. And one time, uh, Oglethorpe invited John Wesley and some of his pastors to come over for dinner. And he found out when he got, when, when it was time to serve the wine, that one of Oglethorpe's servants had drank all the wine. And be, being embarrassed and, and, and everything, he ordered the servant to be thrown into prison and beaten severely. And Wesley looked at James Oglethorpe and said, please don't. Please don't do that. And Oglethorpe said, well, he said, okay, I'll change mine, but you understand, John Wesley, I don't forgive. And John Wesley responded, then, dear sir, I hope you never sin. Because lack of grace it's obvious to everyone. And one of these days, fallible human, you're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to sin. You're going to do something wrong. And when, if you are a person that extends no grace to other people, guess what will not be coming your way? No grace. I think one of the reasons we extend grace to others is because we know that we're going to need it. And people that quickly extend grace to others will receive it back. The fourth thing, and the most scary thing about that we learn here, is that God will treat them as they treated others. Not only will people treat you as you have treated others, God will treat you as you treated others. What did the king in this parable do? He had canceled the debt, brought it back. 
And these are the words of Jesus here. If we are not willing to forgive the hundred dollars that people have sinned against us, he will not forgive the millions that we've sinned against him. That's what this parable tells us. So I want to ask you, I want just to ask you, I know that everyone in here has been sinned against. It's a part of life. People have done things to you and people have hurt you and people have maybe even hurt you badly. I'm asking you, is it worth it? Is it worth holding on to that? Have you considered the cost in the eyes of heaven of holding on to that? In the eyes of heaven, no matter what people have done to you, it's only a couple hundred bucks compared to the millions that we all owe God. Why don't we let it go? Why don't we extend grace to others? Why don't we let it go and experience the forgiveness that Jesus has for all of us? I'm just asking all of you today, I don't know what burdens you carried in here. Some of them are pretty heavy. I'm asking you as your pastor and as your friend to lay them down now. Lay them down and never pick them back up and extend the grace to the people that don't deserve it and allow the grace of God that you don't deserve Because some amazing things happen when that happens. You can only give grace to others when you understand that you're a person more in need of grace than justice. After the Great War, also known as World War I, the powers that be embarked on a policy of revenge. You can read about it. Justice, I guess, is what they called for. Germany had started this war. They had lost, and the powers that be, including the United States, France, embarked on a policy of revenge. They were going to make Germany pay, and they, they came up with something called the Treaty of Versailles. They don't know how to pronounce this, Versailles, right? I mean, they, they, we, we put up with those Europeans. They punished Germany for starting the war to end all wars. It was a war to end all wars. Millions and millions of people killed throughout Europe. The Treaty of Versailles destroyed Germany, destroyed Germany's economy, set up a government called the Weimar Republic. They were forced to cede land called the Sudetenland between them and France. Thos Lorraine very punitive, and it set the stage for something that was going to be 10 times worse, known as World War II, the punitive justice that was meted out after World War I was what came back to haunt the United States and France and England, and over 50 million people were killed in World War II. After World War II, thank goodness, that we learned our lesson. After World War II, same situation, Germany was destroyed. No country's ever lost a war like Germany lost World War II. USA led by a completely different policy. They came up with something called the Marshall Plan where instead of punishing, they rebuilt. They invested $50 million in 1945 dollars to rebuilding Germany, rebuilding Europe, they refused to carry out punishment versus Germany and Austria and Japan and Italy. They refused to carry out the punishment 
and instead they rebuilt them. Today, Germany and Japan are some of our closest allies. My dad's dad fought in the Pacific Theater in Japan. He was in the Navy. Now, 75 years later, his son, my dad, has visited Japan and has taught doctors there. Sons of American veterans are friends with sons of Japanese veterans. Pretty amazing. 75 years ago, we were mortal enemies that we dropped a nuclear bomb on, and now they are friends. Amazing thing, thing called grace. I drive Japanese cars and ride a Japanese motorcycle. This thing called grace, the cessation of hostilities, the dropping of demand for revenge, forfeiture of this insane demand to get even. I want to contrast that with the 4,000-year ongoing battle between the Jews and the Arabs. No grace, revenge, justice, getting even never stops. Fortunately, the powers that be after World War II understood that if we get on the revenge cycle, all we're doing is going to perpetuate it. The Jews and the Arabs cannot get off the revenge cycle. It's been going on for four thousand years how many people have to die before grace enters the equation some of you all have family you're not speaking to friends that parted ways i know a lot of people parted ways with friends and family last year during the pandemic over masks social distancing how long is that going to go on Can there be grace extended to the people in our lives? History shows us what happens when grace is extended, and history shows us what happens when grace is not extended. The war continues. Grace is the only solution, you guys. It is God's gift to this judgmental culture. Look for places to extend grace. As I invite the band to come on back up, one of the Big stories, big movies a couple of years ago was a movie called Unbroken. Story of Louis Zamperini, who was a POW and was incredibly abused. He was an Olympic athlete, and the Japanese uh, 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 guards, I guess, wanted to make an example out of him, beat him mercilessly, killed his comrades. I mean, it was bad. Abused, severe PTSD. He became a Christian after the war at a Billy Graham crusade. Another person became a Christian. And you may not know his name. His name is Matsuo Fuchida. Matsuo Fuchida was the Japanese pilot that led the attack on Pearl Harbor. He was a Japanese war hero. So we have Louis Zamperini, who was abused at the hands of the Japanese, and the Japanese pilot that led the attack on, World War, on, on Pearl Harbor that started the whole thing. Matsuo Fuchida became a Christian. He met up with Louis Zamperini, and together they went preaching Christ all over Japan, winning hundreds of thousands to the Lord after World War II. Mortal sworn enemies Preaching Christ together. Amazing way 
Only God can do it. Only God can do that. And I, I, as I read, as I was studying about this, Poland was one of the most awfully treated countries after World War II. Poland was where most of the Jews that died in the Holocaust were killed. The death camp Auschwitz-Birkenau was in Poland. Poland was, was conquered by the Nazis and hundreds of, of thousands, if not millions of Poles were killed. After the war, some German Christians sent a delegation over to some Polish churches and said, we wonder if we can meet with you. We would like to ask your forgiveness. The Polish pastors looked at them and said, the streets of our cities are still red with the blood that you all did, and you want us to meet? And the German Christians said, yes, we want to ask you to forgive us. And the Polish pastors went back to their churches and said, there are Christians in Germany that want to meet with us. What do you say? And about 100,000 Polish Christians came out to this meeting place. Tens of thousands of German Christians. The German Christians asked forgiveness. The Polish Christians forgave them. And to this day, there's not been one argument between them. See, the hundred of dollars that people have sinned against us in light of eternity are nothing. So what I'm going to ask you to do today as we finish this worship service, I want, I've got a, a chore for you to do right now. I want you to get in mind the person that you can't forgive. I know, I know you have one. The person that just doesn't, doesn't deserve grace, not repentant, not that they're just going to continue to, to do what they're doing. They're not repentant. They, they, they have treated you badly. They don't deserve it. I want you to get that person in mind. Got it? Got it? And during this next song, I'm going to ask you, like the king here, to cancel the debt. I'm your free to go. Like I can't do that. Yeah, you can. I want you to change your can't to won't. No, you, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. Well, I'm gonna allow, I'm gonna ask Jesus to change the can't to won't today. And I want you, after this song, this last song, the freeing worship of God happens, I want you to walk out of here about a hundred pounds, a hundred tons lighter, not carrying it anymore. Forgiving and receiving amazing grace of God. You say, That's, I didn't come to church expect, being expected to do that. No, but that's what God wants you to do. So I want to ask you to stand up, and this maybe this time, free from the burdens of care, what people have done to us, extend the grace and sing worship and praise to God as a free person.